0: certain Baptist groups might have the reputation of um, not being for peace. But I see, you know, in our Baptist tradition of um, proclaiming the, the, um, the liberty of the individual, of um, proclaiming um, this, this idea of, uh, of, of soul liberty and, and freedom as being very
1: connected. Welcome to Baptist Without an Adjective, a podcast of Word and Way. I'm your host, Word and Way editor and president, Brian Kaler. On this program, we'll hear from Baptists from across the denominational, ethnic, national, and ideological lines that too often divide us. At Word & Way, we've been informing and inspiring Baptists since 1896. Learn more about us at WordAndWay.org. In this episode, we're going to have a conversation with Jason Smith. He's the Executive Director of the Baptist Peace Fellowship of North America, also known as BPFNA, Baptistas por la Paz. And I'll note in full disclosure that I am a member of the board of directors of, for the organization. But I think you'll find this to be an interesting and important conversation. Before we jump into it, I want to let you know that if you haven't done so already, you really should subscribe to Warden Way's award-winning email newsletter, A Public Witness, where we cover issues at the intersection of faith, culture, and politics, including issues of war and peace. So learn more and subscribe today at publicwitness.wardenway.org. And Now here's my conversation with Jason Smith of the Baptist Peace Fellowship. Well, Jason, first of all, welcome to the program. Thank you. Yeah, Brian, good to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have the conversation. And let's start by introducing bpf is the organization that you lead and what, what are they up to these days?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on the program. Uh, Glad to to be here and talk a little bit about uh, BPFNA Bautistas por la Paz. Um, Our full name is the Baptist Peace Fellowship of North America, our incorporated name, but we go by BPFNA Bautistas por la Paz, really intentional about being uh, a bilingual organization. And we are a movement of uh, peacemakers, Baptist peacemakers, that started in 1984. And we have been uh, witnessing to God's peace rooted in justice, working together until it comes as our, our mission together. Um, we are peacemakers that are based uh, throughout North America and really around the world. But really, a majority of our peacemakers are in the United States and Canada and Mexico, Cuba, uh Puerto Rico and Colombia and so that's kind of uh, but we also have a lot of folks throughout uh, the Americas and uh, we work together with partners um, really throughout the world uh, to work uh, for for peace and just really focus on um, issues of
1: peace and justice. So you haven't been executive director very long but you're not new to the organization so I thought we would kind of back up the story a little bit both of you know how you first got involved but even before that you know, when did you start to have this journey of caring about peace and wanting to devote your time, your ministry towards peace work?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, how how far back do you want to go? I mean, <laughs> we can go back pretty far, but well, no, I actually, um, you know, talking about Baptist peacemakers uh, is, is interesting because um, it's, it's a concept that I guess I sort of grew up around Baptist peacemakers, although they weren't specifically the Baptist peacemakers that are part of the BPFNA specifically. Um, I'll give you a little bit of background about um, where I grew up. I actually am a missionary kid. I grew up in Costa Rica and uh, in San Jose and Limón, Costa Rica, and uh, was there until I was about 14 years old. And so, um, uh, you know, a lot of my background has been influenced by living with uh, ministers and um, folks working for, um, working to be the hands and feet of Christ uh, in the world um, in different ministry settings. and I remember really thinking about really being exposed to ways that people in congregations and people in um, Christian communities can can truly live out uh, the the values of peace and justice. When I was about 11 years old, my parents uh, hosted a group of optometrists from uh, from Kansas City, actually from from uh, from near near where you're at, um, to to go down to a banana plantation in a very rural part of Costa Rica in Limon, uh, to a dole banana plantation. A group of optometrists who conducted uh, eye exams and uh, helped folks um, who were out in the blazing sun, uh, pulling down these these big banana plants, uh, uh, fruit, and um, just harvesting uh, the crops. And so, uh, you know, I sat next to optometrists who were really doing this this, this really intentional work. Of uh, providing this health care to folks uh, um, who were in this community who just didn't have access to glasses or sunglasses or anything, and just started to put some pieces together about how the world works, how there are how there is injustice in our world, and um, you know those were some of the seeds that moved me on to later in life being involved with um, with with ministry groups. Um, with with congregations and with other organizations to work uh, for peace and justice. And uh, when I graduated college, uh, my wife and I moved to Washington, D.C., where I thought I wanted to be a a lawyer and tried that, uh, you know, went to a semester of law school thinking that that was the justice issues that I was going to be intentional about. But that didn't connect with me. And, And so I actually withdrew from that program and wandered a little bit, didn't know what I wanted to do, but found a uh, one of our partner congregations, uh, BPFNA's con- partner congregations, Calvary Baptist Church in D.C., and was really a, a, a spiritual uh, awakening for me in a lot of ways, uh, the, the way the congregation was both English and Spanish, uh, the way the, the congregation really uh, em- embodied uh, uh, the work of justice along with their their mission. Um and that's where I first learned about BPFNA was through folks at uh, Calvary who attended Peace Camp. I didn't have any uh, collaboration or, or um, partnership while I was at Calvary. Um, but ultimately, I, I went on to, um, to become the, the, the youth director at Calvary and worked with youth there. I got my degree, uh, my Master of Divinity at Wesley Seminary there in D.C. And uh, just heard kind of uh, uh, about the Baptist Peace Fellowship and their work. Um, finally, I, I, went to one of the peace camps in 2017, uh, in Toluca, Mexico, which maybe some of your, um, listeners, uh, had have maybe attended peace camp. I don't know if they have or not, but that was my first peace camp. And it was a truly, um, transformational experience. You know, we just had a very major, um, political shift, uh, election in the, in, in the country that in the previous year. And so there was a lot of, um, There was a lot of energy among peacemakers and folks who work for peace and justice. And just being in Mexico in that gathered group in spaces of worship, you could truly, truly feel the spirit moving. And so I think right after that meeting, I told my friend Anita Peebles, who was on the board, I said, I want to be a part of this. I've got to be a part of this in some way. And uh, (laughs) pretty soon after that, I, uh, I got a board application and I became a member of the board was on the board until, um, until, yeah, they, they began looking for an executive director and I decided to, to uh, perhaps look in, in in that, in that way. And so that's where, where I, that leads me here. So, yeah.
1: So you mentioned Peace Camp and uh, that's obviously a really big part of the organization and the work. And so I wonder if you talk a little bit more about for those that haven't been, what is Peace Camp? And then also give a pitch for, I mean, it might be getting a little late to make plans for this summer, but you know, it is coming up and it's but it's going to be an annual event, so people can if they can't make it to Puerto Rico this summer, there's always other opportunities.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for um mentioning it. We we have an annual summer conference as an organization um called that we affectionately call Peace Camp. Um we we have this uh the the summer conference where we invite peacemakers from around the world to participate in um in sharing their stories, in workshops, um, in just learning about each other's, uh, each other's ways we embody the work of peace and justice. Um, it's, it's a gathering that attracts folks from all over the world. And, um, in the last few years we have not been able to meet in peace camp, uh, in person. We've done virtual peace camps, but this year we're bringing it back and we're doing, uh, Peace camp, uh, and it's not too late, by the way, to register, but we're doing peace camp in San Juan, Puerto Rico, right after the American Baptist Biennial. It'll be June 26th through 30th, and it's going to be at a really cool uh, site, um, really, really neat spot, uh, Centro Cappuccino. It's a Capuchin uh, Franciscan friar um, monastery, uh, a a center uh, for spirituality and retreat. And uh, we're really looking forward to connect with uh, with peacemakers that are doing good work um, in Puerto Rico. Um, and I had the chance a few weeks ago to uh, to be in person with uh, some of these some of the peacemakers that are hopefully going to be presenting at uh, Peace Camp. Our um, our theme is moving mountains: how we can move mountains for peace. And um, you know, it's 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 a it's an intergenerational experience um, that involves a network of peacemakers from around the world. So I invite folks to check us out and um, see if you can attend.
1: Yeah, it is a, it's a beautiful place. We were just there together a few weeks ago yeah. for a board meeting. And it's a great place for people to come and stay and to get involved and be inspired to the work of peacemaking. So obviously another key thing that, and this is something that's happening you know, right now in the processing, is giving out grants to support the work of peacemakers around the world, not just in the kind of key countries involved in North America. And I wonder because you kinda of, you kinda of alluded to the fact that, you know, okay, so most of the membership are in these countries, but working with peacemakers around the world. And so I thought this program is a way of kind of I wonder if you get some examples of 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 helping local peace activists, local church and other communities make a difference in their own communities. Absolutely. Um- and, you know, we,
0: we do we do have a, a program to support peacemakers in their local context uh, with with resources uh, should they need um, any any resources. But, yeah, we we've had uh, several programs in the past. Uh, we uh, the, one of the largest programs we have had is the Gavel Memorial World Peace Fund um, that was established in the 1990s. Um, with uh, with the mission of providing technical training, logistical, pastoral, and um, support for uh, for peacemakers um, around the world that um, that come from uh, that have a connection to Baptist groups. Um, we've had uh, the Williamson Peace Action Fund uh, in honor of George Williamson that supports individuals and congregations with uh, grassroots efforts for peace. Um, and right now, um, you know, actually today is the last day, uh, th- th- this day is the last day to apply for the Peace Fund, but you can look uh, to next year um, to applying for our Peace Fund, which offers up to $1,500 to support local projects for peace um, and building a, a culture of uh, peace with justice. And our grantees in the past year have uh, really been doing phenomenal work for uh, peace and justice. Um, one of our grantees, uh, Philip Muzudzi, um, in uh, Harare, Zimbabwe, who is a professor in um, at uh, the Zimbabwe Theological Seminary um, there, uh, has you know applied and received a grant to uh, conduct a, a peace project with um, domestic violence uh, victims and also with with um, a- other other workshops um, to just talk about. Um, to talk about violence within the home setting and um, encouraging uh, and um, uh, talking about a culture of peace on a very micro level, and uh, so you know the, the the conflict transformation work that, that Philip has, has been able to realize um, in Zimbabwe has has been incredible, and uh, we've been so happy to, to support um, his efforts um, with that. We've we've also supported uh, supported the the, the um, the Seminario Intercultural Mayense, the Mayan Intercultural Seminary, which is based in uh, San Cristóbal de las Casas in Chiapas, Mexico. Um, San Cristóbal has been is, is a beautiful, beautiful, um, beautiful town with um, a rich uh, history uh, that that has a, 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 a large indigenous population. Um, the, the state of Chiapas has uh, a large indigenous um, context. And uh, the folks at this seminary, uh, Dalia Juarez, who is the director of the seminary, do really incredible work uh, with, with folks, with congregations um, largely composed of indigenous members. And they, they go from the perspective of um, spirituality in a very open um, in a very open um, context. So uh, Christian spirituality, the spirituality that, emerged um, from Christian and Mayan traditions and also embracing, you know, the, the traditional indigenous Mayan um, theology and, and, and seeing what ways there is synchronicity and, um, and, and, and movement of the spirit in these various levels. And uh, they've been working on a project, um, an agricultural project to help uh, local farmers um, create uh, organic uh, um, fertilizer. For their farms and have been able to serve uh, lots of um, lots of lots of farmers and uh, the local communities there, and we, we're proud to um, support uh, their project as well. So that it's really about um, you know these these grants are really about lifting up and um, encouraging the voices and the work of peacemakers in a very very um, local and regional context. These grants are available for folks around the world to apply for. and yeah, I'd encourage you to, to look at our look for our applications um, next year um, to, to be a part of this program.
1: Well earlier in our conversation, you referenced Cuba. And I wanted to ask you about that because, I mean, you've been there multiple times, but you were just in Cuba fairly recently. And you've written about that in the publication Baptist Peacemaker. I'll put a link to that in the show notes at podcast.wordandway.org. But I wonder if you can talk about, because, I mean, I've been to Cuba a couple of times. You've been, you know, a few times. But, I mean, for a lot of us in the United States, Cuba is still very... Mysterious. It's different. It hasn't been very open. So a lot, a lot of United States citizens haven't traveled to Cuba. So, what did you experience there? Particularly, what were you seeing with Baptists there on the ground? Absolutely. Um, our
0: our work uh, with with the Fraternity of Baptist Churches in Cuba has been something that's been ongoing since the nineteen nineties. Um, and you know. We we take the perspective of many other peacemakers and many other folks who've been working uh, with with Cubans for, for, for decades and peacemakers in the United States for decades, really uh, to address the the calamity that has been this um, embargo. We use the term blockade. Um, it's really an economic blockade preventing uh, preventing Cuba from really advancing in a lot of ways. that's really based on this this ideological um, uh, 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 battle that the United States has had with, with Cuba since the 1960s, as we know in our history. But I think that um, what Americans, you know, the mystery of Cuba is, is there. And what Americans don't know is that this, this blockade, this embargo, has, has really had the most profound and negative impact, in, impacts on the Cuban people. It's been something that obviously has has annoyed the, the, the Cuban government. The governments of our two countries are still in a position of um, of détente and 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 not not communicating. Not um, you know we we hope for there to be a lot more um, collab, a, a lot more moves toward toward peace. But it's really the Cuban people who have been impacted by this this blockade. And so I. Um, you know, one of the, the things that I have uh, wanted to focus on in, in our role is strength, strengthening these these relationships with folks in Cuba, but also taking a real advocacy role in um, doing what we can from our from our position with our partners to to bring Cuba into the openness of the global community so that it can thrive and so that its people can thrive. And um, move beyond uh, the, their current circumstances. Medicine is not, uh, you know, is is not available to Cubans in, um, in 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 their context. Food is is only something that comes from certain countries because of this blockade. It has been a real nightmare, and especially in this post pandemic era, the Cuban economy um, with with the the global inflation that has that the world has ex- experienced. The, the Cuban economy has has suffered dramatically, and um, that's that was the the context I saw in my in my most recent visit in um, a few months ago, and I, I had a really good opportunity when I was there to visit with the Office of Religious Affairs at the with the Cuban government um, to to talk about to, to have a you know an initial conversation about um, what we can do as a tiny organization as a tiny group to to move toward peace to, to move toward a peace that is that is holistic that is embodied that allows for the cuban people to to, to thrive because they're they're there's not thriving right now in fact there's a huge mass exodus um, of, of young people leaving cuba in in droves uh, to try and um, seek employment to seek opportunities and so uh, we i would love to be a part of um the conversations to to bring peace between our, our, our two countries. Um, in fact, uh, very recently, I've had um, some conversations with um, State Department officials in the United States uh, through the, the Cuban Working Group, an ecumenical group um, of uh, folks from various denominations um, that that work on issues of um, of bringing bringing peace uh, between Cuba and the United States. And so, uh, I'm I'm hopeful. That um, that that we can we can make an impact and we can we can ad- address this, this situation even on a, on a small level if not on a very grand
1: level for peace. We'll be right back with the rest of this conversation. But first, I want to remind you that you should subscribe to Warden Way's award-winning e-newsletter, A Public Witness. It will help you make sense of the world of faith, culture, and politics. Learn more and subscribe today at publicwitness.wardenway.org. And now, back to our conversation. And obviously another big issue in the the world of thinking about peace and conflict and war. The whole time that you've been executive director and 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 before that has been the Russian invasion of Ukraine that is ongoing. That's obviously not as you know, closely in the portfolio is say, you know, working with our neighbors in, in Cuba, but obviously this has been something that anyone who cares about peace has had to think about. And, uh, I wonder if you can offer some thoughts about because it's, it's a difficult and ongoing problem that we're dealing with in the world today. And, and, you know, only, only magnified by the threat of, you know, the Russian state having nuclear weapons. Absolutely. I, you know, the,
0: um, early on, uh, I believe it was in April of 2022, we were happy to host a webinar um, with, with an expert on um, Ukrainian history and Ukrainian politics uh, who, who talked a little bit. This was before I started as executive director, but um, who talked about the, the, the context of Ukraine and the, the, the connection between, um, between Russia and, and Ukraine. And um, you know the genesis of some of this this conflict, and obviously we take the position that this this war is is something that is um, abominable. It is something that is that has caused tremendous human pain, and uh, we obviously are are very much against uh, you know war affecting communities in this way and affecting the Ukrainian people. We are also. Um, you know, see this in the larger context of um, the ways in which um, the militaries of uh, larger countries in the West um, mobilize and, and and might be using this as, as a, a, an opportunity um, to expand uh, a military presence and to expand uh, military um, uh, mi- military goals. And and so it's it's a really tough you know position to talk about because you know there there are there are multiple sides to this uh, war in which um it, it, that that that's hard to um that it's hard to you know contextualize and to bring all these elements together you know we we are for bringing about um a, a peace that is rooted in justice for all people that affects people in a very very um uh, very real level in their lives. And, um, you know, an, an end to this war by, um, in, in investing in, uh, you know, an end to this war that comes about by, that could come about by diplomatic means would, would be, would be wonderful. Obviously we can't look at the world, uh, with, through, through, um, rose colored glasses all always, but, um, you know, we would, we would move for, um, countries to do everything in their power, and their capacity to bring about, um, diplomatic, uh, ends to, um, to, to conflicts. And so, uh, we're, we're really prayerful with a lot of our, um, partners and hopeful with a lot of our partners that this war will come to an end. Um, it doesn't look like it's going to be the case. Um, but, but, but yes, that's, that's, you know, generally that that's our perspective is really, um, hoping for, for peace and praying for peace in, in, in this way.
1: Yeah, obviously it just, it shows how difficult and complex so many of these issues are. It is. So, you know, I would say that Christians in the United States in general, and, and perhaps even Baptist specifically, don't always have a reputation for being for peace. And in fact, we might have the opposite reputation often. And so, you know, I'm sure some people when when, maybe you've heard this already, if not, I'm sure you will at some point when you identify you're you know, leading the Baptist Peace Fellowship that some people might think that sounds like a little bit of an oxymoron or something. So, you know, how do you how do you address that idea of why we should be working for peace? Absolutely.
0: Um, You know, I I think. Early in our organization's history, uh, one of the patron saints uh, that was listed as a as a saint of our organization was Martin Luther King, a Baptist minister um, who you know was a minister but also obviously a uh, an activist. And you know that a lot of the, the the dreams and the hope for this organization came out of. Um, out, out of uh, you know, thinking about peacemakers like King, who uh, who really worked uh, with 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 all of the resources that he had at his disposal and that partners um, that he worked with had to to bring about peace in the American South and uh, speak to peace issues globally. And I do think that Baptists have the reputation of um, you know certain Baptist groups might have the reputation. Of um, not being for peace, but I see, you know, in our Baptist tradition of um, proclaiming the the, um, the liberty of the individual, of um, proclaiming um, this this idea of uh, of, of soul liberty and, and freedom, as being very connected to the idea of bringing about peace and justice for communities. You know, um, there, there is there is a there is a freedom. And a liberty that comes about when um, when communities uh, really embody and live into the values of peace and justice, of of opportunity for all persons, of of, of places where where um, where where there is no violence. And I think that is the ultimate hope of um, of all followers of Jesus, of all f- folks of many different faiths who walk in the direction of peace and. Justice to uh, to to bring about um, a, a beloved community, a beloved community rooted in peace and justice, which is a is a Kenyan concept, um, is is a concept that the King lifted up um, of of creating communities that really. Embody these values of peace and justice. So I see it as very connected to our Baptist history and Baptist tradition. I mean, if you want to go back a long, long way and and talk about Roger Williams and some of the the advocacy for um, for uh, supporting the indigenous uh, communities in, in the ways that he did um, in Rhode Island in the sixteen hundreds, um, you, you 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 talk about. Um, you know that those 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 seeds of um, of Baptist identity, and um, you know some of the, the the leaders in Baptist life that have that have been strong voices for peace and justice. We would we would be in in harmony and uh, in parallel to the work of of these leaders and um, and, uh, and and yeah, I I do see uh, Baptists as being um, as having a tradition and having a. a, a, a a connection to the work of peace absolutely
1: well great i mean hopefully you know we can get more baptists back to that tradition and and lifting up the the work of peace that we see clearly taught through the words of jesus and elsewhere in scriptures absolutely so as as we close out here if people are wanting to learn more and get involved what are ways where can they find more information and what are some some ways that they can connect and start to join in the work of of bringing peace to the world, absolutely,
0: uh, Brian. So uh, one one place that I would direct you, of course, is our website bpfna.org. That's uh, that's our, our 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 digital home. You can uh, you can visit us there and uh, check out information about our upcoming events. Um, and obviously, the the best, you know, the 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 main space where we connect on an annual basis is at our summer conference each year. Um, and again, it's not too late to join us in summer conference. If you uh, want to book a ticket to Puerto Rico and join us that last week of June, June 26th through 30th, I'd invite you to do so. You can check out registration information on our website. But uh, Peace Camp Summer Conference is uh, one of the places where peacemakers connect, but it's not the only place. We have um, we have different events Uh, throughout the year. And we're hoping to have a lot more, um, in-person events in the future. Obviously in the past few years, we have uh, been more limited to digital spaces, but, um, uh, and we do still have some, uh, some zoom webinar, uh, series that, um, that, that we've connected on. In fact, we just finished one last night, um, a four part series in the month of March to lift up, um, the voices of, uh, Women who are who are who are migrants, and um, it was called "Her Story," um, and uh, lifted up um, the stories of uh, women who are migrants throughout um, throughout the United States and Mexico and Colombia. And so, those digital space those digital spaces, virtual spaces, are places to connect as well. But check us out online as well um, to, uh, to to look at some of the resources that we have um, we've put together. The Baptist um, Peace Fellowship uh, connected with um, a publication that actually predates our organization, called the Baptist Peacemaker. Uh, this was a um, this was a magazine that started in the early 1980s, I believe, and um, continues to this day as a digital publication. And you know, you can go back to our archive and uh, check out um, all, all of the. All of the the publications that have that have come out with with resources for liturgy with poems with songs uh, with all sorts of um, things you might be able to to, to share and we're also um, launching a, uh, a a digital database to um, to share youth and children's resources uh, for peace and th- these are resources that um congregations, uh, and, and, and small groups can tap into, but even folks who might not be a part of a community in faith, um, could potentially share with, with their family. And, um, these aren't all church based resources either. Uh, you know, uh, a, a lot of the resources we have are films that may have come out and how we might, how you might weave, you know, a certain, uh, Disney film or, um, different, you know, different animated film, um, into, uh, uh, in, in, into, um, to talk about peace and justice issues or, um, a book that may have come out a kids book that you might find that, uh, really, uh, addresses peace and justice issues. Um, so, so, you know, both, you know, joining us at the gathering and, um, looking at some of our, our resources for equipping, um, individuals, um, is, is a place to start. And, you know, another thing that I'd like to, to, um, for us to continue, that we really haven't been able to do is uh, 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 some, some other um, spaces where we can connect um, in person at, at, in, at, in different settings. We, in the past, have done annual um, friendship tours to different spaces. In fact, uh, BPFNA um, led a friendship tour in the 1980s, the first uh, friendship tour between Southern Baptists and American Baptists to the USSR. And, um, you know, that was one of the first peace visits, the friendship tours that uh, we sponsored. And I'm hoping that we can do some more of these friendship tours in the future to different, different places and connect there. But I encourage you to go over to BPFNA.org and check us out and join us and, and become a, a peacemaker with us.
1: Excellent. Well, Jason, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast and even more for all the work that you are doing. I appreciate it. Hey, Brian, thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Baptist Without an Adjective. Share it with your friends on Facebook. If you'd like to give to support this program, we greatly appreciate it. And all you have to do at wordandway.org is hit the donate button. And whatever you give there will help support the production of this podcast, as well as our website and monthly magazine. If you have any comments, feedback to give about this program, you can send those to me at bkaler at wordandway.org. Thanks for listening.